It's the show the establishment warned you about. And thank you for joining us today. This is Dr. Tommy's show live from Wesley Chapel, Florida, featuring America's free market doctor, myself, and America's free market nurse. Good morning. And we are joining you live, as always, on Wednesday to bring you the latest and greatest in all of the ongoings in uh, concierge medicine and direct primary care and also free market medicine in general, but also just the latest and all the important things that you should know about, including the recent uh, unfortunate terrorist attack in New York City, which we'll cover later. But first of all, I want to tell you about the latest and greatest in electronic medical records, and it has nothing to do with uh, what has been foisted upon a lot of different doctors when they think of electronic medical records, and that is Atlas MD. Atlas MD is your one-stop source for all things membership medicine, including direct primary care doctors and concierge medicine, because it includes a electronic medical record. It includes a billing solution for uh, managing memberships. It includes a messaging solution, and it includes so much more. If you're interested in learning about it and interested in having a free trial for 60 whole days, go to askdrtommy.com and click on the special offer for Atlas MD, and then you can sign up and be on your way in about five minutes. And uh, today, uh, we was today is also the open enrollment date for a lot of people. So we want to talk a little bit about uh, open enrollment and the different things that you should be on lookout for when you're picking an insurance plan. But first, I wanted to cover what was going on in New York City because it has hit home for us. Because apparently, this uh, person, terrorist, uh, murderer who went on a rampage in. New York is actually from the Tampa area at some level, and that is um, uh, Uzbek community, uh, uh, Uzbek national, Uzbekistan, and his name is, doesn't even really matter what his name is, but it's uh, Safulo Saipov. I'm not sure how to say it. But anyway, he's a permanent resident status, and he was actually from Temple Terrace, which is right down the road from where we are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, so that's him right there. I have not seen a picture of him yes, yet. Yes, this is a him and... So anyway, this gentleman, uh, asshole, uh, terrorist, ran over some people in um, um, New York who mm-hmm. were just walking and minding their own business. And um, so unfortunately for us, we have had another terrorist attack here on our soil, which is an increasingly common phenomenon throughout the world. Um, and uh, there's really not a lot that we are doing about it, um, I think, except for maybe trying to... Um, raise awareness but um i don't know it just how seems long like this man had been here he was here i understand on a diversity visa yes right since 2010 since well so. that's i think that's when he came here in 2010 he was here on a diversity visa which means Crazy. there's green cards are given out which is legal status i'm not going to get into all the nuances of it but basically there's a green card lottery that they established and uh recently um uh, within there was. I looked it up earlier, but there's been several different nuances of when they pick people to, to come to the United States to be lawful residents who are not citizens, and they get a green card, so to speak. They call them green cards. Well, apparently this uh, person was here on a uh, diversity visa, which meant that is actually Chuck Schumer, who was one of the ones who spearheaded this, was picking people who come to this country who are underrepresented. Mm-hmm from their native home. So if it's, uh, you say, you know, people are from Uzbekistan, there's not, a, there hasn't been a lot of them 
immigrating to the United States. So we're going to pick preferentially from that group Mm -hmm. is what I understand it to be. And for some reason, they determined that was necessary. And that's how I got here. Now, that doesn't mean that the people who came here on that diversity visa are you know, any more likely to kill people than people who aren't. Cause there, as we know, there's people who live here that are, it's just an interesting side note, I guess. Yeah, it is. And, um, oh, so he's been here since 2010 and, so he's been here seven years <clears throat> so, since the age of 22. Mm-hmm. Um, what is he doing? How does he have a home in Temple Terrace and have a home in New York? What does he do well, for a living? I don't know, but apparently he is not unfamiliar to the FBI because as I was reading on drudge report earlier today, uh, he had actually been interviewed by the FBI uh, previously and uh, was um, I guess he was this is from Drudge Report and I'm just going to go ahead and read this this is um, oh, ABC News they took it down oh, wow let's see no here it is ABC okay. News uh, feds interviewed suspect New York City truck hijack attacker in 2015 about possible terrorist ties and this is from Aaron Katursky Josh Margolin and this is some ad Shush. Anyway, this is uh, from Aaron Katarski et al. And this is from ABC. And it says the suspected New York City attacker. There's another ad. Uh, Safulo Saipov was interviewed in 2015 by federal agents in the Department of Homeland Security Investigations Unit about possible ties to suspected terrorists. But the agents, <clears throat> agents did not have enough evidence to open a case on them. Law enforcement officials tell ABC News. Saipov's name was an address was listed as a quote point of contact for two men whose names were entered into the counterterrorism and criminal exploitation units list after they came to the United States from quote threat count countries. One federal officials told ABC News. Okay, so he was suspected to be part of another terrorist uh, terrorist group, correct? In two thousand fifteen. No, they said oh, he was a point of contact. He was a point of contact with this ter- with the terrorist group. With two different men whose names were entered into the counterterrorism and criminal exploitation units list. Okay, so after what they if, came from the United States from quote threat countries, one federal official told ABC's News. Okay, so two years ago, mm-hmm. but we just said okay, just stay here. Well, uh, one of the two men has vanished and is being actively sought by federal agents as a suspected terrorist. Uh, it's interesting though. You talk about what is the. What is the reason that people come to the United States to commit terrorism or commit terrorism anywhere? Mm-hmm. And I think when you start talking about all these different terrorist activities, you got to think, what is the root cause of all of it? And that's the same for anything. And what is the root cause of, for instance, one of the great things that we talk about is poverty. And what is the root cause of poverty? Well, very oftentimes we never as a country or as a especially as a federal government, just determine what is the root cause and to try to find out what caused that. So um, we just start doing things. So I don't know. I don't know why they talk to them. I don't know uh, who this, I don't know why they have a diversity program. I don't know why they have a visa program. Um, you know, who knows that a lot of this stuff is what happens when the federal government starts doing things. They just get involved. And before you know it, there's this big morass and you can never even figure it out. It's like trying to figure out how to untangle a, um, electrical cord that has just been tied in knots you don't even know where to start but one thing's for sure is that the uh terrorism um effort as we know it in our in our united states is basically uh let's unite whatever that means let's be strong and uh we're not going to take it and we're going to go about our lives that's Mm -hmm. the mantra that we do meanwhile people just keep 
See, in my opinion, two years ago, he should have been sent back. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of him having here? Yeah, if you're on a, if you, if you're here, on a on a green card, and you are tied up with some people who are unsavory, why? Yeah, why? What is the so compelling reason right, that what, you're here? Right. What? So two as years a guest ago, in our country, two no, years let's ag- put it this way. Like, you're, go do your point. Well, it was two years ago, why wasn't he sent back? What was he doing that was so wonderful? Um, what was he doing um, with the United States or for the United States? What was he giving to, um, yeah. you know, make... What was he contributing? Yeah, what was he doing? Um, what was he contributing to the United States that we needed him here? You know, we needed him here so badly. Saipov29 came to the United States from Uzbekistan through a diversity visa program lottery in 2010, making him a legal permanent resident of the United States upon arrival. He has lived in Ohio, Florida, and most recently Patterson, New Jersey, where he where federal agents interviewed Saipov in 2015. Now, yeah, so what is it? This guy has lived in Ohio, Florida, and Patterson, New Jersey. What is he like a a locum tenens doctor that just travels around from state to state working? You know what is it? What is Saipov? I don't know. The, the the media doesn't do a very good job of fighting things like this because this doesn't really. Um, interest them. Now, what would be more interesting to them if, if Sapov killed those people with a gun? They would be very interested in it then. So now probably this, nothing will ever come of this. Just so, like the Las Vegas thing. Well, who knows what happened. Right. So this man is now being treated for a gunshot wound to the abdomen. He was shot. That will probably end up paying for. I doubt he's oh, going to. You know. Well, maybe um, he has. Maybe he signed up already. What for insurance? With the, well, the ACA, well, the exchange. Maybe he's through. Maybe he got through the exchange already, and maybe we're already subsidizing him. That's true. Hopefully, we can only don't want to wind up with a big, uh, big bill from the from the from the hospital where they where they fixed him. Anyway, stay tuned for that. Uh, also, so November first is where a lot of people are eligible now for open enrollment. So. Now in the United States, we have you can only buy insurance during certain times of year. Very yeah. small window. Yeah. Health insurance. If I buy a car tomorrow, I can go get insurance from anybody I want. I can get it. I can quit my insurance. I don't have to have any special subsidies. I don't have any. I don't have any. Uh, don't have to tell me anything about my household. Mm-hmm. But now, so it starts today, November first. Anyway, November first. What's the window? Home, Do you know? Till December fifteenth. Okay. So you have six weeks to decide. Actually, on- this is from, from when most, I don't know if this is when the ACA, the ACA has maybe been open for a long time. Who knows? Wait, no, I tried, um, remember I tried to get, um, when we went online at the ACA, it said that uh, we could not okay. do that, but um, we, we, it was not open enrollment well, for the ACA. Maybe if Donald Trump hadn't ixnayed the publicity campaign, there was like a $90 million, some millions of dollars of advertisement for the ACA, for the market Maybe if that had not been, you and I wouldn't have to do a Google search right now to find Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. But instead, now I have to lift my fingers and do a Google search. So let's see when ACA open enrollment is. Uh, Let's see. You know, I had a patient tell me this morning, do you know what he pays for insurance monthly? November 1st. If if only there was a commercial it had told me. (laughs) If I learned about that through some government program, I wouldn't have had to do that Google search just now. But anyway, yes. What do you say? Oh, a patient told me this morning that he pays $700 a month. For insurance, the new one. He this is he's oh no not the, the oh. one he's had seven no the new patient the new member no 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 oh somebody else yeah seven hundred dollars what does he get for that he doesn't get anything he doesn't even use it doesn't get a thank you note not even a thank you note thank not you even for a, your contribution not a card in the mail not a box of chocolates nothing he gets a physical well he doesn't get it he doesn't use it because he gets he gets he, he doesn't have to pay for a mammogram. 
That's true. And well, he's he, a man. Never mind. And can he? He can get birth control. He can get free dental <laughs> care if he's a child. Oh, he's not a child. Mm-mm. What else can he get? Seven prescription Medicaid. Does, is he on prescriptions? Yes. See, it's pre- yes. prescription. So it's yes. not a big deal. He is on medication. What does he have to complain about? He's getting prescription cover. Now, a lot of the prescriptions he's on can be free at Publix, but. Or $4 at Walmart. Yeah, but anyway. But anyway, November 1st is uh, open enrollment. So one of the things that we like to do here, besides uh, be extremely sarcastic about the establishment, is to talk about one of the things, some of the things that are important to regular Americans out there who don't live in New York City or Washington, D.C. or Los Angeles, where all the very smart people live and uh, dictate our lives to us. But regular Americans who are out there trying to figure out, and insurance is extremely confusing so one of the first things to talk about is what is a network so there's different types of networks if you join an Mm -hmm. hmo uh that's typically the most restrictive type of network so tell them what that means yes and with an hmo you are going to primarily you're going to see your primary care physician and who's assigned to you right? who's assigned to you so you pick someone or they're going to assign someone to you if you don't pick anyone okay um so let's just say you are a prime you know your primary care so they Mm -hmm. pick dr tommy mcelroy Mm -hmm. and then you are going to go see they're going to see you Mm -hmm. and then in order for you to refer out, let's say this something's wrong with this patient and it's um, you know beyond your level of expertise and you, so then we have to call the insurance company and get what's called a referral. Right. And hopefully the insurance company approves it. Right. And if they do, they're going to approve it for so many visits and this referral is going to be for, there's going to be uh, usually an expiration date. So it okay. might be effective November 1st through December 1st or maybe, maybe a little bit longer. And then they can go, finally go see a specialist. So, and that's if you agree to it also. So the primary doctor has to agree to, to you know, authorize their, you know, to start the process of the referral. But referral, the HMOs tend to be the least expensive. They are the least expensive, but you are limited. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what is a, so HMO is good for though, for who though? Who could it be good for potentially? Well, I personally think that an HMO is, okay, so an HMO is going to be good for probably a healthy individual that doesn't need to see a lot of specialists okay. or a pregnant person. That's going to be seeing their uh, OBGYN is going to be their primary doctor for nine months. Okay. Um, and maybe a child. Okay. That's about it. All right. The next one's PPO. PPO is um, it's usually um, you know you have a broader range of physicians you can see you're mm-hmm. you're not going to be assigned. Sometimes you to don't anyone. have to have authorization to see a specialist. Most of the time you do not. Now you will have a higher copay usually to see uh-huh. a specialist. Let's say your normal copay is thirty five dollars. Um, when you go see a specialist, it might be double that. Most and, likely, it's going to be double. So that. who's a specialist? Well, anybody, anybody no, in primary care. Primary cares aren't specialists. Anybody. They're stupid. I know. <laughs> That's what I love about HMOs and PPOs <laughs> is when you look on your card, it says PCP. It doesn't say family doctor, internist, it says PCP or so, primary, primary, uh, some, some abstract term. Anybody. It's like, yeah. It's like some amount. And then you, <laughs> if you want to see a real doctor who knows something more than just writing a couple prescriptions and being an idiot to refer you to somebody, then you have to pay double that amount. That's yeah. one of the beautiful things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's funny is when I used to take insurance, when I was working for a, a multi-specialty group, I was a uh, subspecialist too on certain insurers because I, I have a, so I'm a family doctor and a sports medicine doctor, right? So I have dual certification. So anyway, some of these insurances I was on as a, as a specialist, a sports medicine doctor. So people would actually send patients to me to be a sports medicine doctor. So do you know that when I was seen as a sports medicine doctor, they had to pay me more? I remember that at USF. So let's say, let's take a scenario. Let's say you have shoulder pain. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have shoulder pain. 
your doctor's like, look, I don't know anything about shoulder pain. Uh, you've reached the end of your five-minute visit, and you're now you're asking me about shoulder pain, referred. Mm-hmm. So you get referred out. And then you wind up in my former office when I was with the Department of Orthopedics. And they say, well, you're a specialist now. You're going to have to pay a specialist fee. It's it's not $20. It's $40. So he's like, or she is like 40 bucks, whatever. And they come see me. I'm a specialist. They come see me. And I say, okay, you have a shoulder problem. I'm going to do this, that, or the other. Uh, I'm going to inject your shoulder. So mm-hmm. I inject their shoulder. Out the, out the door they go. All right. Same patient. Let's say they come to me as a family doctor, because I was also a family doctor. And they say, look, I have shoulder pain. I'm like, okay, cool, because I do sports medicine. So I'm talking to them. And I say, uh, looks like you have a shoulder problem. I'm going to inject your shoulder. So I inject their shoulder. Then out the door, they're like, you know what? I also have diabetes and hypertension. Do you do that too? I'm like, yeah, actually I do. And so I look at their labs or whatever, and I put them on two different medicines. So I do shoulder pain, uh, diabetes, and hypertension. And guess what they paid? They paid less. Mm-hmm. Because I was then a stupid family doctor mm-hmm. and not a specialist. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember that. <laughs> All you doctors I out there. I remember Anna Maria at the front desk. All these sports and family and medicine saying, doctors. And uh, coming back and saying, oh, this person needs a referral because they're going to see you know, for this shoulder injury or <laughs> knee injury or whatever. Yeah. They're going to see you for sports-related injury. Yeah. And um, so anyway, yes, it was uh, the process was a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. So that's HMO and PPO is the basic mm-hmm. two differences. That's it, really, for insurance, I think. I mean, there's something called EPO. EPO. I'm we're not, not sure what We're not is. insurance specialists, so don't go, like, taking our stuff to the, to the you know, saying, oh, Dr. Tommy and Tracy misled me. Mm-hmm. If you need an insurance EPO. question, ask an insurance agent. We're just mm-hmm. trying to give you general information. Right. I'm not sure. I don't know what an EPO is. EPO is, is. like a, a brand of PPO. Okay. I think. All right. It's like a more restrictive PPO. Because, yeah. you know, well, sometimes we have PPO members here mm-hmm. who have to have something, like, Usually they'll pay for something unless it's part of their network. Right. Um, well, of course, we're always going to be out of network. So with yeah. a PPO, you can, um, you know, you've got, um, you know, with your deductible, you yeah. have uh, in-network or out-of-network. Mm-hmm. So if you see an in-network physician, your deductible can be less, your mm-hmm. co-pays less, uh, you know, they're going to, I'm sorry, yeah, they're going to pay, your insurance company's going to pay more. And you can go to out-of-network as well, which is what we are considered out-of-network. Right. And then sometimes people's, if you have that restrictive PPO, they won't pay for anything that's out-of-network. So like sometimes they'll pay for like 60% out-of-network, right. 80% in-network or 100% in-network. But some of these PPOs are so restricted, they say, look, you have PPO, and you will pay this. But if you go out of network, we don't pay anything. I think that may be the EPA, but I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. But we do have a few patients here that have no out-of-network benefits. Yeah. And then tell them, okay, so now we're deductibles. What's a deductible? A deductible is the amount of money that you are required to pay out of pocket before your insurance will pay. So let's just say many of our patients have high deductible plans. Okay. Um, most of them have anywhere between six and $10,000 that they are going to be required to pay out of pocket. And then their insurance will start paying. And it's it's generally about 80-20 is, that's pretty, you know, the pretty normal. Mm. So your insurance company is going to start paying 80% and you're responsible for the 20% after the deductible has been right. met. And then there's some things that you don't have to meet your deductible for. And those are the essential benefits, I think. I don't right. know if that's Well, yes. Some- some things, uh, yeah. screw, you know. So an annual physical, you can get that for quote unquote free after paying $700 a month or whatever you pay per month. Mm-hmm. Well, but my- then if you, so let's say you do an annual physical and they say, look, you have shoulder pain. Uh, you need to come back for another visit because we can't they really discuss do. that now because right. you have to so come back tomorrow. So you come back tomorrow, then you may have to pay towards that deductible. That's right. 
Yes, you cannot you cannot do two different codes like that in one day. Yeah. It has to be on two different visits. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And so, but then there's some things you have to meet deductible for some things you don't. That's right. So some health maintenance things you don't have to. Uh-oh. And that was just someone who commented on our Olympia video. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, has reached almost a thousand views. So thank you, everyone Ooh, who's yes, watched. Thank you. That's awesome. But anyway, it's a um, fun video. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, I'm going to use your insurance for example. You had a physical yeah. this year by uh, Doctor Salud, mm -hmm. and um, so it was billed under a physical, and uh, your insurance would not pay, pay for, for your like labs. Three, three things. Right. So anyway, but there's certain things that won't pay for. You have to be very right. yes. savvy and look at your. Uh, uh, look at your uh, like some patients come in here they have insurance and we'll say look do you want us to bill your insurance or do you want us do you want to pay us mm -hmm. uh, the, the what the members pay for labs so members pay here like was it like 40 bucks or 45 bucks for the five labs that we do it's less than 40 dollars okay, 39 dollars so, and some change so we'll for do a, a, a blood count a, a metabolic panel a urinalysis a thyroid stimulated hormone and urinalysis mm -hmm. and then we'll just say do you want us to bill insurance or do you want us you want to pay us just the member price, which is basically what the lab charges mm -hmm. us? We charge the members. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'll just say, just I'll just pay you because they may come back where, yeah, they 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 covered the uh, blood count, sure, but they didn't cover your analysis. And then what you don't know is that the urinalysis that your insurance company will pay to the lab is a lot more than you would pay so, with us. Right. A $39 um, physical panel, like you said, five. This One lab five may cost labs. that much. $39. You, um, if a patient were to be billed that mm -hmm. uh, through their insurance company, it would be over $1,000. Well, I'll just read this one here. So here okay. it is. This is the one be, that was billed to my insurance but didn't pay. So your analysis... Complete your analysis. How much does it cost us as a member? Our members? Uh, I think it's like six dollars. Forty-seven fifty-nine. Okay, CBC. That's what the. That's, that's four dollars. That's what the insurance pays. Okay, four dollars. Or that's what the lab charges. I'm sorry. Uh, CBC is four dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay, lab billed forty-two dollars. Mm -hmm. Comprehensive metabolic panel. That is about ten bucks. Sixty-five. Oh wait, no. How much is that? Sixty-five dollars. Mm -hmm. Oh, a CMP is um, actually I think six dollars. Okay. Seven dollars. Thyroid stimulating hormone. It's our members pay. Ours about eleven bucks. Uh, Quest or not Quest? The lab bills one thirty. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the. And that's the other thing. So then you have to look at your. Uh, then you have to look at your EOB and see what the EOB did. That's just. Well, and I tell the patients, okay. So, so sometimes the EOB will be so. So the insurance may not want to pay one thirty for the ten dollar lab because right. they may say that's crazy. We're not going to pay one hundred thirty dollars for a ten dollar mm -hmm. lab. You think we're crazy? Mm -hmm. So you know what they'll pay? Well, they're going to one twenty five. Right now, you will get so then you you will get an adjustment most yeah. of the time if you use an in network you know physician. Um, the insurance your insurance carrier is going to give you an adjustment, so that is going to you know bring the bill down. But it doesn't give you an adjustment; it gives the insurance company an adjustment. It, well, yes, you're right. But if you like, if you didn't pay, if you didn't say bill bill the insurance, you can't go back. Like if you come to us yes. and say. No, I want you to. I want to just pay them now. They won't let you. No, the what, lab is going to charge you. Yes. However much they're going to charge you, they're not going to 
go back right. and say, okay, now we'll build Eshelon Right. Health. I tell the patients, uh, you know, so $39 for a full physical panel. Once I send your um, blood work out, and if you want me to bill your insurance, it's out of my hands after it's out of my hands yeah. after that. I can't do anything about the fact that when they send you a thousand dollar bill because you have a six thousand dollar deductible, it's out of my hands. So, um, you know, that decision has to be made at the time that I, I draw the blood. And most always the patient, I mean, not, I shouldn't say always, but they're most of the patients here, yeah. they just say $39, that's it, just bill me. I was, I was watching this uh, YouTube video, uh, the AAPS, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons Conference, and there was a, a, a lady speaking named Beverly Gossage, who is a healthcare uh, expert. She's a policy expert, but she's also an insurance agent. And so they're talking about the ACA, and she was basically talking about the way things were before the ACA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things that we're talking about now are due to the ACA, not all the charges, but I'm talking about the open enrollment and everything. And, you know, a lot of the people will say, well, the ACA has done a lot of good because people who would otherwise not have medical care can get it now or insurance. So there's a whole dichotomy of, are you talking about medical care, which mm-hmm. is what we do, or are you talking about insurance, which is what the company sells you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about, let's, say, let's just talk about insurance for now because everyone can get medical care. Mm-hmm. If you go to a direct primary care office, you can get medical care. If you could go to any doctor's office, you can get medical care. Now, it may not be very easy to get because the market is so saturated with non, um, with insurance providers. But anyway, the point is medical care and insurance not the same thing. But let's talk about insurance. She was saying that before the ACA, the HIPAA law, you know what the HIPAA law is? Mm-hmm. HIPAA law had in it a, a language that said that each state must have an insurance plan that people can get. And uh, so a lot of these states... Then after that law was passed, created what's called high-risk pools. Okay. So have you ever heard of a high-risk pool? No. So a high-risk pool is for someone who's uninsurable. So here we are in Florida. We have health and we have a property insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So we have property insurance. Yes, I just got my bill today. Yes. And if you can't get insurance, then they have a high-risk pool, which is called citizens. Okay. So citizens okay. is basically the high-risk pool. And you pay more for property insurance. Okay, okay. yes. So let's say... You do the same thing for for a state. Let's say you have a high risk pool. Well, before the ACA, when people were quote unquote couldn't get insurance because of pre existing condition, all that, there were such things as high risk pools. And in her particular state, and I can't remember what state it was, she said that the high risk pool there, that you can go get insurance. You would have to go to the high risk pool and get insurance. So let's say she gave the example of someone, a patient who called her and said, look, I found out that I have this thing that I have to have operated on. Mm -hmm. I don't have insurance. I'm 26 years old. I didn't think I needed to have insurance. I didn't even get a high deductible catastrophic plan. I just went without. And so I now need uh, I need surgery. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm sorry to say that because right now. Uh, according to the ACA rules, you can't get insurance now. You have to wait until open enrollment. Before that, though, guess what would have happened? They would have signed up for insurance. Yes, they would have because of the high risk pool. Mm-hmm. But guess how much he would have had to pay for that? I'm sure it's how much? A lot. In the in the market where she was at, mm-hmm. the high risk pool premiums were 150% of the normal premium. Oh, wow. Okay. But that's, but that's not... Mm-hmm. 150 percent though mm-hmm. that's not that bad mm-hmm. but anyway so we had to we had to say well that's not right that he should have to pay more because mm-hmm. right now what we have in insurance is everyone pays the same no matter mm-hmm. what no matter if you've had your insurance your whole life no matter if you have no pre-existing conditions if you're health, completely healthy everyone pays the same because that's what's fair 
So what happened for him was before the ACA, he would have been able to buy an insurance plan, then mm-hmm. okay. pay more because he didn't have insurance, mm-hmm. and then seen a doctor and had a surgery or whatever. Mm-hmm. But instead, he had to wait six weeks at that mm-hmm. point. Well, good thing it wasn't January, but he had mm-hmm. to wait six weeks or six months, however long it was, to then have coverage. Mm-hmm. But so he had to pay 150% of the premium. That was in the high-risk pool. Now, now what do we have now? Well, I was just going to say, a friend of mine, her sister needed surgery, gallbladder surgery. Do you remember the pictures I showed you? She had a, she didn't have it laparoscopically yes, done? Yes, yes, yes. Now, she was able to get insurance. So if Obama... If, um, well, that's the other thing. She had to go through the, the ask. She had to ask him all the different questions. Have you recently moved? Have you recently got married? Have you recently been divorced? Have you... All these exceptions that allow you to go outside of the open enrollment window. Okay. So here we have the ACA, which was purported to do all these wonderful things, and especially for people with pre-existing conditions that ended up making this gentleman wait longer. And then you say, well, that's not fair that you have to pay 150% because it's just not fair. It's not his fault. Well, maybe you'd say, maybe let's say you agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. is I don't agree with it, but let's say you agree with it because I think everyone should have insurance, mm-hmm. catastrophic insurance. It's not allowed now. You can't buy catastrophic insurance in the United States um, legally. I mean, you can buy it, but you won't get fined because it's not essential benefits. ACA insurance that is high deductible is not catastrophic. It covers essential benefits. You should be able to buy a plan that just covers catastrophic problems. Right. If you end up in the hospital. Right. Like you do with every other insurance that you have. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if he if he could have bought that, uh, I mean, he could have bought, he should have had that before so that when he got into that point, where he needed to be hospitalized, then he would able be able to absorb that cost. Right, but he didn't but do he that didn't. because... It but wouldn't. he would have had to be punished, quote-unquote, by paying mm-hmm. 150%. So what did we do instead? Now we have the ACA. Now he wouldn't have to pay 150%. Depending on his income, he might not have to pay anything because mm-hmm. he may be eligible for a subsidy from the government, which means that the government will take money from one citizen and do some things with it and then give it to somebody else to whom mm-hmm. it doesn't belong. And... Everybody else's premium went up, not 150%, many, many, many hundreds of percents. Every This this past this past enrollment, they said some of the plans are going up 40% is yeah. common. So what we did was we took a problem, which was very isolated, and it was uh, from a few states uh, or from a few, few people um, disproportionately did not have this problem. So we, so we said, look, we have this problem with these few people. Let's pass the ACA. And we're going to solve all these problems. And it made all of them worse. Mm-hmm. And that's the big myth. All that's to now, say that's the big myth of the ACA. Yeah, let's talk about, uh, now we had a viewer um, talk to you about the penalty. Mm-hmm. So he felt that, um, I know you talked to him, I didn't, but he felt that the penalty was, uh, he thinks people need to be penalized, but they don't have insurance. Right. Yes, because his point was, is people should have insurance. Because when mm-hmm. they go to the hospital, mm-hmm. they're going to run up the bill, mm-hmm. which is true. And I agree. I think, I think um, yeah, it'd be wonderful. We all had insurance, but not everyone can afford it. I mean, just like the patient that told me this morning, his insurance, he pays uh, $700 a month mm-hmm. for his insurance. And he's just one of many patients that tell me they spend $500 a yeah. month in so, insurance. So let's get back to the problem. So the mm-hmm. problem is one thing. So the problem is, let's, let's take this one for instance. The problem is... People present to the hospital with no money, mm-hmm. no chance of paying, and they run up their bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the answer to that is what? What is the problem? What is, first of all, what is the problem? Why did those people present to the hospital without money to pay their bill? Well, they don't have the money. They can't afford to okay. carry the, the, to carry that, to pay that monthly premium. Okay. But let's talk about- Or they just choose let's not talk to about, have let's it. Not even, let's not talk about ACA. Let's just say 
Yeah, the reasons they could possibly not have it. They couldn't afford it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. They were irresponsible, meaning that they didn't choose not to get it because they said, look, I'm not going to get hurt, sick. I'm young and healthy. Nothing's going to happen to me. And if I do get a problem, then I'm going to go to a hospital and this, I'm not going to have to worry about it anyway. Mm -hmm. They'll bill me. I'll go to collections. Who cares? Mm -hmm. So those are two reasons. Uh, third reason is they, whatever. So let's take those two reasons. So what is the solution to that? So let's say you have people who are irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why they call it the shared responsibility payment uh, is what your mandate is called. The mandate to buy insurance mm -hmm. is called the shared responsibility payment. So, so presumably that is to make people buy insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, why would you make people buy insurance? Why, why is anyone allowed to go to a hospital and then have no intention of ever paying. Right. Can you go to a restaurant and have no intention of ever paying? Mm -hmm. We say, well, there's an emergency. It's an emergency mm -hmm. situation. All right, let's say there is an emergency situation. Um, and someone happened. Do they ever bill those people? Uh, <laughs> oh. Do they ever try to get their money back? And how many people does that affect? How how, mm -hmm. how much of that is actually going on to the, in the system? And if so, let's say that it was so rampant in one system that this was going on. Guess who should fix that? If it, if it comes down to the government. Who? That state. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be expanded to the whole federal government? Let's say you have a problem in California. and Or, or you say you have a problem in Texas where people are just not paying their bills. Um, why are you going to make your problem every other state's problem? Maybe because the real problem is just an excuse to create this system that is unwieldy and very expensive to benefit very few for what is perceived to be a problem of enormous mm -hmm. proportions when it really isn't. Now also, you know, okay, think about this too. When you go to the hospital and you don't have insurance and you're going to pay cash. Mm -hmm. So um, they are going to bill you, let's just say $10,000. And then you're like, oh, by the way, I don't have insurance. And they're like, okay, we'll give you the cash price. Right. All of a sudden it's $2,500. Right. And then if you look at that YouTube video, uh, the Beverly Gossage, she talks mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Not that particular, but she said when she was a young person, they had six children mm -hmm. in their family, and they went to the hospital very infrequently. Mm -hmm. Hospitals were used very infrequently, and when they did, the people just paid the hospitals. And so uh, the hospital prices were much less expensive back then. You may say, well, that's technology. You know, MRIs cost a lot of money, this, that, and the other. That's besides the point. The point is, is there is no, like you said, mm -hmm. people don't bear the brunt of the cost of the hospital. Mm -hmm. They do not pay for it largely. They have insurance that pay for it. Mm -hmm. Or they don't pay for it at all. Someone else pays for it. Right. They may even have insurance that pays for it that they don't pay for mm -hmm. because they have a subsidy. So you've removed the most important person out of the price equation. That's the consumer. Or, I'm sorry, not the consumer, not the consumer, the payer. You've removed the payer from the price equation of, uh, of healthcare transactions largely because the payer is not the consumer. The payer is an insurance company, which is paying you for claims with someone else's money. Right. The most ineffective way to spend money is to spend your someone else's money on somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's the least effective way to spend money. According to Milton Friedman, there's four ways to spend money. You spend money on yourself, you get the best deal. You spend your own money on somebody else, you usually have the cheapest price. You spend someone else's money on somebody else, and that's the worst way, and that's the way the government spends it. Mm -hmm. Or you can spend someone else's money on yourself, like when you go to 
a uh, your company gives you an allowance, you're going to spend every cent. Yes. And one little cent more than of your own money. Yeah. Well, you know, we need to see a breakdown like, um, I'm going to go back to my HOA because I think it's a, a, an example of just how the government works, you know. So the HOA, I just received my budget for 2018. Mm-hmm. And the, the fees on there, coupon books, $750. Mm-hmm. Um, administration fees, $8,000. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, if they were paying that out of their pocket, come on, you don't really but pay. But you're paying with someone else's money. That's right. So when you're spending someone else's money, you just yeah throw it away, mm-hmm. spend it frivolously, you know? Back to our point, too. I just thought of it. You know, the the part about what what would poor people do if in their city or town or whatever, they had to go to the hospital and they couldn't afford it. There's once upon a time things called charity hospitals. Mm-hmm. Now, you hear that name and you think, well, it was named after a hospital. No, there was actually hospitals that were set up to be charity hospitals, and there were. Well, isn't um? Well, the hospitals are all non for profit, right? Well, non profit, yeah, <laughs> right. They don't ever make any money. They never make a dime. I think that's considered charity, right? Right. And then so, but anyway, back to the you know, there's charity hospitals. They don't have those anymore. No. So all this is to say, what is the root problem? Now there are facilities, there are clinics that. Um, well, you can go see, you know, primary doctors. They have some specialties and you do, um, it is it is basically charity or you pay a very small amount based on your income. Mm-hmm. Um, Premier is one of those hospitals and there's Catholic charities. Um, so there are some, uh, but not hospitals that I know of, just clinics. Right. Yeah, because it's not, it's, it's big business to right. be in the uh, in the business of not, of, 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 of taking Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Medicaid is what used to be what you would consider charity. But it's not. Medicaid's big business, just like food stamps is a big business. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, or I wrote about it in an article. I wrote about the, uh, uh, what is it called? Somebody asked Dr. Tommy Blog. It's about, um, I think we talked about it last time, about where the where the money goes for poverty spending. Uh, you made Uncle Sam and his buddies rich. And it says the top four richest counties in the United States are in the communities surrounding Washington, D.C. To round out the top 10, there are a few places in California and Colorado and one more in D.C. It says since declaring a war on poverty in 1964, the United States has spent $22 trillion on government programs to end poverty. The result? Today, 14.5% of Americans are considered poor, essentially the same number as in 1964 when LBJ's war began. But few people have been lifted out of poverty by these programs. All the spending has not been for naught. But while few people have not been, all the spending has not been for naught. In fact, one of the clearest beneficiaries of government welfare programs are businesses. Approximately 18% of all food stamp spending in 2013 went to Walmart alone. That's billions of dollars taken from one American and given to another American to whom it did not belong Mm -hmm. and then given to Walmart. Board members and executives of large businesses like Walmart and Berkshire Hathaway are often tout the virtues of higher taxes and social welfare spending. This is, of course, shocking. Mm-hmm. So, Bex, you look at the Medicaid. So, all the poor people who are running around uh, getting Medicaid would better be taken care of more cost-effectively in a charity system. Mm-hmm. But that would cut out somebody. So, Madison works with someone. I'm not going to say, you know, where she works or anything, but Madison works with this 30-year-old female, no children. She um, she lives with, uh, you know, another couple. And Madison and her are having this conversation at work. She is on Amazon Pantry, I believe is what it's called now. And Madison's looking through and she sees some, some type of chips. And this 30-year-old female who, you know, she has a job, she has a car, she's carrying a Michael Kors purse 
asks my daughter, oh, do they take EBT? And what did that, Madison say? Madison said, she said she was just shocked. And then she said, I don't know. And then she said, to her, she was thinking to herself, "You mean I should just give you the $80 from my pocket. Because Madison works. Madison works and she's understanding. She's learning how, you know, taxes. Uh, yes. How taxes work and what EBT is. You know, she's just learning about that. And she, you know, of course, she was like, how can this, why would this girl be on EBT? She's a 30-year-old female with no children. She's single. Madison, she works the same job. Madison clearly hates poor people. <laughs> no. Uh, no, Madison does not hate poor people. This person does, is not poor. Now, some might think she's poor, but she's carrying a Michael Kors purse. She has a car. She has a roof over her head. Michael Kors likes the fact that, uh, that she doesn't have to spend her money on. Yes, yeah, so she can buy Michael Kors more Michael Kors purses. Well, you know, we had a new member join today, and uh, we were talking about, you know, you know, health insurance and all that. And uh, he was saying, you know, a lot of the things you say makes perfect sense. And a lot of things we say is common sense. If I, you talked about it to the just random individual on the street. But well, we think it is. The, yes. But the way the way it's construed is they always is a front man mm-hmm. for any of these things that are designed to take your money and transfer it to somebody else. There's always a front man. And it's always someone who is um, uh, someone who, who you feel sorry for. So let's talk about. uh Spending any type of spending. let's talk about public school spending. If they ever talk about changing uh, public school spending, so public schools, I don't like to call them public schools, we'll call them government schools. Government schools are schools that are run by the government. The local government runs the schools, right? Funded by the government, run by the government. Now, if you ever talk about taking some of that money out and giving it to students to go to quote unquote private schools. Well, then you're going to hear a him and a, whore, a big uproar about it. Why is that? Well, because you're stealing money. Yes, they want that funding. from the government schools and giving it to private schools. Mm-hmm. Well, where does that money come from? Do you or I not yeah. pay taxes? That's right, we do. And so, wh- why is it that we must choose to send our children mm-hmm. or with our tax money to? A school that is run by the government. Mm-hmm. Now, That's we can something Milton said yesterday. Do you remember that he feels that our tax dollars we should be able to allocate whatever sure. to whatever school we choose? Mm-hmm. Now, right now, you can you can have your child go to um, a private school, mm-hmm. but they have they need to have a um, an um, ed- individual education plan, an IEP, mm-hmm. so um, a diagnosis of some sort, ADD, uh, maybe autistic. You know, uh, anyway, a diagnosis of some sort, and then and then your child can go to a private school. But my my children now, I can apply for charter school, of course. You know, that takes a little bit of a process, but it's worth it. To, I think it's worth it. But if I wanted my daughter to go to a uh, uh, another you know private school, there's no way I could have her. You know, I'd have to pay twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But you know. That's the point is, though, that if you were to say that that's wrong, that you should be able to use that money, mm-hmm. you would the, the person who would they they'd say you're trying to hurt now is the child mm-hmm. because you're taking money from them and giving it to somebody else mm-hmm. um, that doesn't deserve it or need it or whatever. And so that's a, if you look at it, there's always a front man and you have to do your own due diligence to figure out is it true. So back to our whole point, what is the you know, what is the problem? Why did this uh, terrorist run over people? Well, I don't think we're ever going to look into it as the government. I don't think the government's ever going to look into it. And I'll tell you the reason. The reason is because we live in a sick culture, sick society, evil people. That's the basic reason. But what we'll do instead as the government is we'll say, well, maybe we need to tweak this law 
or, or maybe we need to you know ban this or ban that so i don't know if they've banned home depot trucks yet but then i assume that's the next <laughs> oh, step that, that that the rental, yeah he, he rented a home oh, depot whoops. truck yes. so i imagine they're going to work on banning home depot trucks now as the cure for it just like they do for uh, shootings is banning the guns mm-hmm. or restricting freedom somehow maybe we need to have more background checks on people who rent vans or trucks that, that's the thing is that's the way people think who are in charge mm-hmm. they think what is the thing that is the least likely to do effect let's implement that mm-hmm. let's implement that on a wide scale basis so people who are poor can't see the doctor let's make everyone buy this expensive health care and let's have the government design it uh, the schools are failing. Uh, the government schools are failing. Let's spend more money on the government schools and then not allow any money to escape it. Now, let's not look at the reason why the government schools are failing. And what is the reason the government schools are failing? Is it because the teachers are bad? No, I mean, there are a few bad, there are some bad teachers, of course. There's some people that the teachers that should have never became teachers. Right. But um, in my opinion is I think that well, the home life is well, is the huge part of the okay. reason. These children, um, they stay up late playing video games, homes. come from broken homes. Um, uh, you know, maybe a single mom's trying to, you know, do the best she can do. And right. it's, you know, she's so, working two jobs. So and, here what we do is we hang these teachers up to dry, just like they're trying to do with doctors now. Patients are sick. Doctors fault. Your quality measures are down. Exact thing they do with teachers. Uh, Students aren't doing well. F school. Teachers are to blame. Right. They fired almost the entire staff uh, of a a school in Dade City. Uh Um, All the teachers, they were fired. They brought in new teachers. But the majority of the population at this school, a lot of the children, you know, um, could not speak English. Right. And so if you look at that, so what is the home life like? What What is the opportunity for these children to succeed? So you keep unpeeling and unpeeling if you're really interested. And if you're not interested in demagoguery, and if you're not ele- interested in just saying something to get elected real quick, you'll peel back the layers. And if you're really smart, you can figure out what the problem is. Yes. And that's what happens in the market. Why, why does the market work? The market doesn't work because there's lots of people commanding and who have thought this out on some uh, federal bureaucracy, and they know the exact reason why how much uh, the price of a um, uh, of an iPhone should be uh, that works because the market has determined what the price of the iPhone should be and if it doesn't work out the it's going to be it's going to get uh, they're they're going to get punished because they're going to go out of business mm-hmm. but in 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 medicine when the government gets involved with education we never look at what the root cause of the problem is so what is the root cause of people not being able to pay for um, uh, going to the hospital what is the root cause of children not succeeding in school you know, a lot of times, if you look back at it, you know what the root cause is? What? The government. If you look at a lot of these causes of failure, a lot of the causes, if you look back on it, it's because the government subsidizes it. The government encourages it in some way. Not nefariously necessarily, but the intent of their program and the outcome of their program are discordant. And that the outcome is that it ensures continual poverty. Back to the point. 1964, the United States has spent $22 trillion on government programs to end poverty. The result, 14.5% of Americans are considered poor. Essentially the same number as in 1964. Mm-hmm. So what do we do as a government? For, for good reasons. We implement pro- programs to make sure everyone has health care, make mm-hmm. sure the schools are good, make sure the uh, um, people aren't uh, starving. And what do we do? We ensure more of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, create more programs. Now, that took a lot of thinking, though. So you won't find that on most of your local uh, politicians or any of your local news channels. You won't find that, but you'll find it here on the Dr. Tommy Show. 
for next week, we're going to cover some of the uh, more benefits of concierge medicine because we went a little long this week. But I wanted to show this little video I made. This is for all those doctors out there who are listening who want to try something different. This is a video I made just for you. Metrics, macro, satisfaction, process. Core, experts, provider, meaningful use. And for those of you listening, you weren't able to see it. That was basically um, a, a, a droning of these words and it featured a, a man and then it transformed into a computer and then it shows you this gentleman walking into the distance and says when you've had enough of the silliness go to askdrtommy.com click on physician so if you're a physician out there and you want to escape the silliness of uh, the uh, current system of acronyms and qualified plans or whatever what all the mumbo jumbo is and you just want to take care of patients like we do here uh, go to AskDrTommy.com, click on Physicians. And also, if you want to be a patient here or you want to find out more about what we do, taking care of patients without all the hassle of uh, all of the stuff that you usually like – one of our new members called it the cattle call. Or no, he called it the cattle something. Something to do with cattle. Uh, he, today's patient? Yeah, our new one. Our new one, okay. What he said, the usual thing is, he says it's basically – that's what he felt. Mm-hmm. Is when he goes to the doctor, he felt like he was just cattle just moving through. Mm-hmm. He called it the cattle something. Anyway. If you want to get rid of that, you don't. You want to experience something different, where you actually can talk to the doctor for more than five minutes and figure out what the root cause is, back to root causes. Then go to sdrtommy.com and click on patients. Subscribe on YouTube or iTunes or both, and leave us a review. And if you leave us a good review, we'll mention it. If you leave us a bad review, we'll don't really it. mention it. Do it. <laughs> I love it. And we uh, enjoy uh, talking to you. And until next time, bye bye. Oh, and song of the week is uh, Dire Straits. Uh, frontman uh, Martin Offler singing about Sonny Liston. And uh, until next time, bye-bye.